ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line. It is hour number two here on this Wednesday. (laughs) We're live, DRS. We're live. Yeah, I mean, man. the ad libs don't help me get through it, pal. Uh, here we go, though. Let's start it. Major League Baseball preview right out of the gates here in our number two. Shohei Otani has the ball. He enters this day at plus 155 for the AL MVP. Aaron Judge sitting at a plus 125. I'll start with before you even break this down. I do think Otani has the chance to. 24 hours from now, Sid is the AL MVP favorite. I don't know 24 hours from now, but it's creeping here. And I know SportsGrid did put out a nice little hit piece against myself, claiming uh, Kevin is the smartest man in the universe, with Aaron Judge being clear and far away the leader Mm -hmm. in the clubhouse to win the MVP race. Thank you. But that was, you know, a couple weeks ago. So now we see it was plus 100 for Aaron Judge at the FanDuel Sportsbook to plus 200 for Shohei Otani. And today, as we look at those odds, a plus 125 for Aaron Judge and a plus 155 for Shohei Otani. Now, we are going to get some bumps in the market, and you shouldn't now, right? Because Shohei Otani is going to pitch against the Houston Astros, a very formidable opponent tonight. If he does one of his six innings, seven innings, one earned runs or less, because I believe he's getting close to 30 innings without giving up an earned run, that is sensational. But I want to talk about also, Kevin, what's coming up here. Because we take a look at Aaron Judge, and if he's not hitting a home run every night, most people say, like, well, what's he actually doing? Which is pretty unfair because it's unrealistic to say if you're not homering at least three to four times a week, you're not doing your job. But how about the bump from the All-Star game? You're going to look at a guy that's going to be center stage here, pitching and hitting, that if he also has a decent performance there, even though it shouldn't count whatsoever, Public perception is reality in the betting markets. If Otani pitches, let's just say, you know, an inning and has two strikeouts and then rockets a double into the gap and Aaron Judge doesn't get a base hit in the All-Star game, you might see that tighten up even more. But you're right. The spotlight right now, the momentum right now, is on Shohei Otani. And we'll see if he can continue that tonight. In their last 12 games, they are 2-10. and The two times they won, Otani started. He has been, again, he's, he's kind of been like their Cy Young because the, the bat has still not been, he's been obviously still above average, but it's not been up to some of the other standards here. If he beats the Astros tonight, man, you, you just, it, it, he, I think he really does move as the favorite. But the question I have for you, Donnie, is that your expectation? You break these down, you match these teams up here. It's a late game on the slate. 
Otani's the favorite. Like That's the level of respect that he commands now is they are favored over the Astros. Slight price, minus 126, totals of seven. Do you think Otani is worth backing here tonight against the Strohs? I don't know if he's worth backing against the Strohs here because, quite frankly, he could go, Kevin, seven innings, give up one earned run, and they're down one to nothing here. Also keep in Mm -hmm. mind yesterday, one of the guys that's going to be able to move lines and change those is always Mike Trout. If you watched the game last night, he left with back spasms. So that doesn't sound like, hey, I'm going to recover quickly and be in the game tonight. So you do lean more on Shohei Otani. If I'm looking, I think that's seven is about right here. This screams like the typical Astros under four to two, four to three would get you a push, three to two type game here. Because as I stated before, it's a really good chance Shohei Otani can dominate tonight and still not come out on the winning end because what's left in that lineup? I mean, hey, Shohei Otani is going to be concentrated on pitching. We get it. So he's obviously going to be hitting. But if you're going to take out Mike Trout in the lineup tonight, pitch around Shohei Otani. What's left of that lineup tonight for Javier, quite frankly, has been pretty good in 2022. Left-handed splits here, a 270 weighted on base percentage, and the righties a 241. Under is probably the better play here. Our radio audience is here on a Wednesday morning. Kevin Walsh, Donnie, right side, taking you through the Major League Baseball slate on Sirius XM Channel 159. I will mention, though, quickly, the Astros team total, three and a half, rare. At plus money, hardly ever happens. If that comes down to a flat three, you talk principal plays, even up against a guy of Otani's caliber. It very well could check that box. Here's the other big story coming into, the, uh, into today's card. Spencer Watkins has the ball to try and get the Orioles their 10th consecutive win. Eight and a half's the total. Any juice here on Baltimore? Or is maybe the value on the Cubs as they try and stop the Orioles in their tracks? I thought they would get beat last night, but yeah, you can put your ace on the mound here with an XFIP close to six here in Spencer Watkins getting detonated by right-handed bats, and quite frankly, you are in a true hitter's environment in Chicago. So if we take a look at the lineup, which is always the issue with the Chicago Cubs, is they're a little bit left-hand depleted here with power bats. You don't need that tonight because Spencer Watkins actually does very well against lefties, just can't get right-handed batters out. So if you flip it over to the Baltimore Orioles, who are getting some timely hitting at this time, Steele goes on the mound. He's been very good this year as well. Samson was very good, had a lead yesterday, blew it. We'll see if Steele can do the same thing. But sometimes you have to ride the lightning with the momentum here of the Orioles. But quite frankly, the better pitcher again tonight for me is on the Chicago Cubs side. We'll see if the Cubs are able to cash in and stop the Orioles in their tracks as they have obviously found themselves now playing 500 baseball, nearly 100 games in. And by the way, that is not just materialized into a fun story. They are two games back of the Toronto Blue Jays for the final wildcard spot. And to go up another level, they are only three and a half back of the Tampa Bay Rays for the number one wildcard spot in the American League. They are firmly, not a joke, not a hot, they are firmly in the AL playoff race now. And unless they sell off, they are going to remain in this wild card race for a good while. A lot more to preview on today's baseball board, all coming up next right here on the Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got a charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. That's Braves Game 3, the decider here in the series that we have agreed is, up until this point, the biggest series the baseball season has offered up. Mets grab game one with Max Scherzer on the mound. Braves and their offense. It's a couple of home runs late to pull over and win game number two. The decider here has Charlie Morton up against Chris Bassett. Total is transitioning between the eight and a half and the eight. Braves are around the minus 160 price. What do you think here? Game number three, Braves-Mets. Yeah, I think maybe if we're looking from a Mets perspective here, that plus 138 might be a little bit juicy here. Chris Bassett's got a, a X, excuse me, an X-fit minus of 90 on the season. Charlie Morton at a 91. So two pitchers rated on that same wavelength here. But let's take a look here at where I think the damage could be done. Now, when I say damage, it's been a lower scoring series because you're getting two pretty good pitching teams with some decent bullpens here. But if we take a look at Morton here, lining up for the Atlanta Braves on the mound, he's had a good year. As I just told you, his X-fit number is at a 90. 100 is that base line for average so he's been above average here in 2022 to right-handed batters Kevin he's faced 204 this year and keep in mind also Morton is a right-handed pitcher weighted on base percentage of 264 and an ISO power number of 097 that's very good but let's take a look at how he does against left-handed batters this season a 350 weighted on base percentage and an ISO power number of 227 so if we take a look at the Mets lineup anticipated today and this is an afternoon start 1220 so just a few hours will be underway for this tilt here in the mm-hmm. NL East. Nimmo, a lefty. Lindor, which is a switch hitter, he'll be a lefty today. Guillaume, Smith, Escobar, switch hitter, and Jankowski. So it's one, two, three, four, five, as many as six left-handed bats out of nine today in the lineup to try to get after Morton. It's one of those games where they're two good baseball teams, and if I don't see a definitive edge in pitching here, I'll lean towards the total, excuse me, towards the underdog here, the same way we were talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Miami Marlins. If it's a split here, and I don't have a true definitive answer on pitching I'll just take that plus 130 plus price and live with here Mets for me today 1220 not bad look if you think something's a coin flip well you don't get you know you don't get heads at plus 130 right so that obviously can present some value I do wonder if today maybe you could see both offenses enter the fold here totals obviously an eight Bassett has not been the same guy on the road. Morton was hit up by the Mets earlier in the season. It's an interesting certain uh it's interesting to follow here, but both games ended 4-1 score lines under their listed totals. 
uh, first five unders, all of those things checked in. Uh, no runs in the first inning. So it'll be interesting to see how this one matches up here today with Morton and Bassett. Moving over, Tigers-Royals. Usually, if we're talking about these teams, it's bad pitching, but it's also probably a not a lot of juice within the lineups either. Singer Scooball, slight edge to Kansas City on the FanDuel Sportsbook at about minus 125. How are you matching up KC and Detroit? Yeah, maybe a leap of faith in this one here as you take a look at two you know bad baseball teams. But if you take a look between Scooball and Singer, I think the more pedigree pitcher here for me would be Scooball on the mound. Now, also, we talk about some leap of faith that you have to take in Major League Baseball. You're talking about a pretty good hitting environment today. First pitch, another afternoon game, which is at 210 Eastern, which I guess, you know, Central Time, I believe it's Central Time in Kansas City, will be about noon. Almost 90 degrees at first pitch here and no significant winds, about two miles an hour. So not going to play into it. The ball should travel. But if we're looking at Singer, the same way we just looked at Morton. He's done very well as a right-handed pitcher against right-handed batters in 2022. Weighted on base percentage of 274 and an ISO power number of 127. Handling his business from that side. But lefties have been able to do some damage here. A 353 weighted on base percentage and an ISO power number of 239. Why is that important? Well, for one, for starters, I should say. The truth lineup is ridiculously bad against lefties and righties alike. But in the lineup today, you will have as many as six left-handed batters for the Detroit Tigers. So if it's one of those where you say, okay, I think Scooball can keep down the bats for Kansas City, which again, aren't very good. And maybe this lefty-righty matchups that we're going to get in our favor here for the Detroit Tigers might lead to something. I would lean on a slight dog here at the FanDuel Sportsbook, a plus 106 price on the Tigers here today. Mm. Scooball is going to get some consideration for me as well in the strikeout market. I know that Kansas City solid top five and not striking out. And last time Scooball saw him, he did not have the strikeout pitch working, but he's seen them multiple times this year. So that's not a consistent theme. Last outing had the seven, might be able to fit the description. And that would be nice if we could attack the early portion of the slate as well. So something certainly I'll have my eye on as the day develops. Pirates, Marlins, uh, I know that this Pittsburgh team has caught your attention now a couple of days in a row. Plus 150, Brubaker gets the ball low total. Seven here in this pitcher's ballpark, as you typically describe it, in Miami. More Pirates value, potentially? I'm not so sure the Pirates have the value today at the plus 154 because they were very good over the past couple of days with dog prices. And again, they'll be in this game. I don't think the Marlins are good enough to blow anybody out. So I'll segue right into that. I think runs might be hard to come by today, but you are looking at a low total of seven. So if you equated both sides three to three here in the seventh inning, you're already going to cash in at least a push there from either side and maybe take down a winner. So it's hard to go over, excuse me, under that seven, but I think that's the way to go here. If we take a look at Brubaker, he hasn't been a great pitcher here in 2022, but he's done very well against right-handed bats. And also lefties, a little bit of an issue here with an ISO power number of 200. But as we take a look at the lineup today, lefty Wendell, lefty Sanchez, and that's it. It's only two left-handed batters out of nine anticipated in the lineup today for the Miami Marlins. And quite frankly, lefty or righty, it doesn't matter. Their entire lineup has really struggled this year against right-handed pitching. In the estimated lineup tonight, your high man here is a 320 on De La Cruz. Everybody else is below that. So not a single batter here anticipated to be above that Mendoza line, as we like to say here with the weighted on base percentage market to sort of get after right-handed pitching. If we take a look at Pittsburgh today, they're going up against Lopez, who's done very very well against lefties and righties. Look at these splits. Lopez is a right-handed mm -hmm. pitcher versus lefties, a weighted on base percentage of 286. And to 
righties at 282. This is a giant ballpark, so I do think runs will be hard to come by. 4-2 final seems like the right move for me. Now, who gets that 4-2 win? I'm not sure of, but 4-2 is below runs of seven, and I'll take that. Certainly is. Brubaker as well. Could be another strikeout guy for me at four and a half. If you're a trend better in the in the strikeout market, uh, he has actually now gone over that number in six consecutive games, which is pretty impressive and rare. You would still see the number at this point. Projections shine on him early. We'll see how they land right now. The juice is there at minus 130. So, again, something to track. Enough times, I think, to get to uh, Reds-Yankees here, DRS. Luis Severino gets the ball. Yanks check in once again at minus 330. We know the story goes. A lot of people today will be lining up on the Yanks. Can't lose to yeah. Cincinnati again. Can't lose a fourth game in a row. How do you back the Yankees today if that's the direction you're leaning? Yeah, just taking a look here at the FanDuel Sportsbook here on a team total. We see it's expensive. Over five and a half at a minus 102 price. So you need six runs to get it done. But quite frankly, I thought they could do it yesterday, and they didn't. But if we take a look at Miner, the lefty on the mound today, he has got, I mean, this is good. You're, you're talking about the mid-80s, 86, 87 degrees here at first pitch in the Bronx, slight wind blowing out the left field. Miner can't get right-handed batters out. 419 weighted on base percentage. ISO power number 350. So let's just take a look at the first six batters in the lineup today anticipated for the New York Yankees, Kevin. Uh, lefty batter, Anthony Rizzo. He's got a 276 ISO power number against lefty pitching. But let's take him out of the equation and just focus on the right-handed batters. DJ LeMahieu, 368 weighted on base percentage. If we take a look even just at the ISO power numbers, which shows you the level of you know doubles, triples, and home runs you're getting, DJ LeMahieu is a 176, which isn't bad. But take a look at the next five batters in order. Judge, 333. Rizzo, 276. Stanton, 233. Donaldson, 208. Glaber Torres, 366. You should get some runs in the Bronx from the New York Yankees tonight. And as a home run backer, that middle of the lineup is so inviting to me tonight to bet. Yeah, I think, look, Judge Stanton obviously are always eye-catching. I'm a little surprised your guy Matt Carpenter is as big as plus 480. Because we know that at times they will shade numbers against the, you know, oh, this guy's got good career numbers. 12 at-bats for Matt Carpenter against uh, Mike Miner. Seven hits. That's a 583 average. It includes a home run. We know he's basically been the, the premier power hitter in baseball since he's joined the Yankees. I think there's going to be a lot of guys that'll check that box tonight. We make the move from baseball to golf. The Open is coming up, and Cam Stewart will help us break it down. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome back into the early line here on this Wednesday morning. Kevin Walsh, Donnie Wright side, now joined by Cam Stewart to help us break down the open 
It is obviously a big-time tournament whenever you were talking about a major event, Cam. How are you feeling going into this one? I feel pretty good, Kev. It's a huge one, too. It's the 150th edition, and it's at St. Andrews, the home of golf. We got Tiger Woods back in the mix. A lot of good storylines, too. Will Zalatoris, can he get the historic runner-up in every major? He's finished second in every single major. Can you believe that? So we'll see what happens this week. But right now they're predicting, uh, you know, the, the winds aren't going to be too dangerous, and that could be very, very bad for St. Andrews. If the winds don't pick up, I'd expect to score probably around 15, 16 under. If the winds pick up, Total carnage. That's the only defense Scotland has. Heavy winds, the heather and fescue, and deep bunkers. No water, baby. So that's what the course, when the winds pick up, then these guys are toast. It should be a, a lot of fun stuff, to follow dude. the beginning of this one here. Uh, I just wanted to, I'll just start quickly here, Don. Just the, the yeah, top, Rory yep. now is consistently, Cam, at the top yes. of these boards, which I don't feel like was the case for a good while here when we were heading into these events. Are you starting to think that we're getting closer and closer to Rory really breaking through and, and winning these major tournaments? Big time. And, uh, you know, I got a firsthand watching uh, every shot when he played at the Canadian Open. He was in a final group with Tony Finau and Justin Thomas, two of the better players in the world, and he took them down. Rory still has one problem in his bag. It's the big mistake, the big hole. He's been getting better at it, but, you know, he'll come back, take a triple bogey, and maybe lose the tournament by one or two shots. Uh, start slow early. And then, you know, not as not as well. He'll grind himself back into the tournament and win. But I've been noticing lately his first rounds have been better. He's been more consistent. Uh, the fact that he's 10 to 1, you wish you were getting a little bit more because there's so many guys that play good links golf. But if you like Rory McIlroy, I can tell you one thing, guys, he'll be in the mix, like for a top 10, top 20. I'm not sure at that price. I think there's other ways that I'm looking. But, yes, Kevin, to answer your question, Rory McIlroy is a factor every week. He has a, let's just say, a... a uh, an issue. He has an issue to grind, too, with those guys who joined the Live Tour. He's he's loyal to the PGA Tour, and I was just watching a press conference on Golf Channel before you came here talking to the leaders of the RNA, the governing body from England, and I love what they had to say. They're like, what's the point? Like, how do we get to, like, professional sports? You climb levels, right? You're great as a kid. Then maybe you get recruited as a college. Then you join the mini tours. Then you join the web.com, you know, and all the other stuff to get to the PGA Tour. What's, what's Live Golf going to do? They just basically throw money. You want to be in our tournament? So they were talking about sports and the aggression, right, Donnie, Kev? From college football to the pros to everything else. It all starts somewhere, and this Live Tour doesn't have that where the PGA Tour and the European Tours have that model as a child you could play and then eventually climb the ladder and get more experience. Yeah, Liv Goff's always going to be in that backdrop here. And you showed Tiger Woods, you know, putting some words out there saying, you know, he doesn't understand why guys will go to Liv Goff Tour. And I'm sure it's going to play out. And even from a marketing standpoint, saying it's not good for the PGA Tour if a Liv Goff Tour player actually wins this tournament. But Cam, I know you love to bet golf. And I love the people out here that listen in and say, okay, I don't really bet golf all that much. This is always an interesting tournament, talking about the Open, because it is played overseas. Now, we talk about the start times typically for a major. Hey, they're going to tee off at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m. But I'm looking right now at the start times at 135. The reason I bring this up, Cam, is because I know you love to bet golf, and typically you bet before the tournament starts, but also a major way to make money here is to actually bet live golf. How does this alter your time frame here where you're not saying, okay, I got to set my day ahead of schedule. You're actually up in the middle of the night because, quite frankly, you want to watch these golfers and see how they're doing. Just talk about how you approach betting the U U.S. Opens, the Masters, as compared to the British Opens. 
It's a great point, Donnie. Uh, I never even thought about this, but that is an amazing point. I'm going to say this. Bet this tournament as late as you can before it starts. The weather in Scotland turns on a dime. You need to find out what guys are going off, as you said, Donnie, in the morning wave at 1.30 a.m. Eastern and the afternoon wave. You could have guys playing in a pristine golf course that absolutely rips apart St. Andrews, and then all of a sudden, bam, weather turns, wind, rain, all sorts of crazy stuff. You need to get lucky. You need to be on that side of the draw as well. So, Donnie, before I do Gabe's show on Wednesday night at midnight, I'm going to wait. I'm going to have a couple bets in for guys that I like the odds, but you're right. You have to be on top of this stuff. Like, you really have to know the weather. You have to be watching. You have to see when guys are falling apart. And another part of your question, you could take a guy who's 10 strokes back who played in the easier wave if they have a harder one coming up. You know what I mean? So a lot of golf, too, it's not just being like a precision ball striker and being consistent. You have to know what part of the day is going to be better and all those things and factor that into your equation. When you're betting the Masters and stuff, most people have seen the course. So it's easier to take and the weather doesn't change as quick. That's the problem with European golf. Things happen really, really fast. And if you've got a fast computer, there's a lot of ways you could take advantage of this stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. They're not playing in a condensed arena with the same temperature control. They're out in Scotland in the middle of nowhere, and things change very, very fast. It could get very easy and very hard. So look for, you know, always have that weather report. Keep your eye on it, and things change very, very quickly. A fast computer is key. I've done plenty of English. <laughs> yeah, like my internet went down on Friday. Click, 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 Scottish <laughs> Open. Thanks. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Donnie mentioned Tiger there, Cam. Obviously, whenever he is in the mix, it's a big deal. 65 to 1 to win the tournament. I mean, you're talking about 6 to 1 for a top 10, 3 to 1 for a top 20. Make the cut is where you get some minus money at minus 164. What are your expectations and maybe where is some value on Tiger coming into the Open? I'm not going to say value, but I'm going to say this. Tiger Woods, in his comeback, in worse condition than he's ever been, made the cut in both tournaments. Be it, be it on the weekend, he fell apart. This is a course he can play blindfolded. He's been to St. Andrews so many damn times, and I'll tell you something. Looking at stuff, it looks pretty good for him. Is he going to win? I don't think so. Top 40 seems legitimate. And I'll tell you this, Kevin, laying 64 cents for Tiger Woods to make the cut. I know we're all in the plus money business here at Sports Grid. You know, Coach Young, Donnie, you got him hooked. You guys, uh, he's an animal now. He can't stop. Plus money, plus money, plus money. <laughs> Parlay the NBA first with the WNBA. But Tiger Woods making the cut in this event at 64 cents is actually a pretty good deal, in my opinion. I think he'll play well. And if his injuries do pop up, have you guys noticed they've always happened in the third and fourth round? after he's a little more beaten down and taking shots. The only issue I have is if the weather becomes extremely extreme with his back problems, his knee problems and stuff, then it's a problem. It's a little bit of a risk, but from what I've seen, it's not going to be bad over the first couple days, Kev. Watch out. Tiger Woods, he will make the cut in this tournament. He's made it at harder and longer courses. This course plays, what is it, 7,300 yards? A lot of the horses, cold holes can be downwind. He'll be fine. And one thing about Tiger, he's got every shot in the bag. Knows when to hit the stinger iron. Knows how to get out of trouble. What do guys do in their first trip to this tournament? They make mistakes. They get caught in the lip of a pot bunker and take a triple bogey. That's not Tiger. Tiger Woods, a, a savvy veteran, Kev, like a savvy old wrestler. He knows the tricks. Yeah. He knows every way to get out of danger. He'll take a bogey when he's in trouble and not a triple or a quad and get him out of the tournament. I think he'll make the cut. 
Yeah, and Tiger Woods also has stated that it was much harder to walk the Masters than, per se, walking at St. Andrews. Now, you mentioned the weather, which is always a key ingredient here at the British Open. Talk to me about some golfers that are offensive and defensive golfers, where if you're taking a look at who has the advantage if the winds are down, who has the advantage, Cam, if the winds are up out there? If the winds are uh, up, I would always look at uh, a lot of these Australian guys have low ball flights. That's why I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Cam Smith as one of my top picks this week. If you're looking for an American, a lot of these guys like flyers like Ryan Palmer's not there. But those Texas players, Jordan Spieth has every shot in the bag, too. Know what it is, guys? He doesn't hit at a mile, but he knows how to play the wind, the undulations, all that stuff. And Donnie, you need a proper mindset. You can't go into this thing. You could lose the tournament in one hole. Like, I know he's emotional, but he always plays this tournament smart. I like guys with low ball flights. I like guys that can penetrate the wind. And putting is interesting here. You could basically use a putter where guys on the PGA Tour would chip from anywhere. You can putt from almost anywhere on this course but the but the fescue, the old Texas wedge. Who's comfortable with the putter and getting up and down from a mound and all that other stuff? So those are guys that I look like. Cam Smith's good in the wind. Mark Leishman's good in the wind. Hell, and the Brits, Shane Lowry. All those guys. This is the thing. I hate to say this. The, uh, the European guys have an advantage this week other than the Americans that have been over there a lot. The DP World Tour, they play these tournaments all the time. Irish Open, Scottish Open, Fescue, all the type of changing uh, you, you know, wind directions and weather. In America, it's pretty pristine most of the time, right? I, I would say the mm-hmm. Florida Swing's the toughest with the wind uh, down at the Honda Classic. Those are very, very difficult uh, tournaments, but... I would say the Europeans. That's why I would look for some Europeans this week because they are, they tend to rise to the top in the, uh, you know, due to the weather conditions. Tell me, Cam, with only about a minute left here, where are you looking heading into the Open? Outright matchups, whatever it is that you want to give the people. I love Shane Lowry, guys, at twenty to one. I wish I got him more on Fanduel. All he does is show up in these events. Cam Smith, the Australian, he didn't even bring his A game to Scotland last week. Uh, uh, and he, he he was right up the leaderboard. Those are guys 20 and 22 to 1. I got a couple flyers for you. The American Max Homa has embraced Lynx golf. He's doing the walk and interview, having cracking jokes with the Scottish lady last week. Love his attitude. 45 to 1. He's been bet down from 60. And Ryan Fox, three top threes in his last five events in Europe at 55 to 1 on FanDuel. Looks great to me. And I'm going to tell you guys something. To make Miss Cut, Victor Hovland, I'm going to take a stab here. He's To make the cut is minus 260. I'm betting against him. I don't think Victor Hovland makes the cut in this tournament. And I'm even going to say this. Will Zalatoris minus 400 to make the cut? Maybe not. Maybe not. If you're looking for a big flyer and uh, some plus money. Interesting, because there is a boost cam on Tiger, Rory, mm. and Zalatoris to make the cut. But it's at plus 200. Maybe the better I flyer, I worry about Zalatoris more than the other guys, Kevin. It's Man, crazy. No, can win. He can be top five. Yeah. I'm saying he's dangerous. He's a volatile guy gotcha. this week. That's all. Awesome. Awesome. Cam, appreciate it as always. Best of luck to you throughout the Open. We'll be right back after a quick break here on the Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. 
Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Right back at it here on the early line. It's Donnie and Kevin here in the morning. Thanks so much to Cam coming on and dropping some knowledge for us here in the British Open. And also, we did have some more picks on the way out here. Catch this. Robert McIntyre, a plus 130 to be the top lefty in the British Open. And also, Cam Smith to be the top Australian at a plus 190 price. If you take a look at both of those guys on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now to win the Open Championship, Cam Smith 22 to 1, Robert McIntyre at a 60 to 1 price. Thanks again for Cam Stewart coming on talking a little bit of British Open major golf, but we got to get to the NBA here, Kevin. It is time to get after it because we need some movement here. First up on the docket, Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. I want to stay in Brooklyn, but Kevin does Brooklyn want Kyrie Irving to stay there? Which obviously has been something you have hit on consistently. The idea that Brooklyn, the whole time everybody's like, poor Brooklyn, what was them? They've been like, excellent. This guy's gone, and we don't have to worry about this anymore. Here's the update for anybody that missed it. Came out late last night from the New York Post. Brian Lewis gave out a story where the headline reads, Kyrie Irving wants to be a net. With or without Kevin Durant, with respect to Brian Lewis, that is not my takeaway at all from his own reporting as I read these quotes. Because, Donnie, I'm going to offer you up what I thought was the probably the media section of this here quickly. Here is This is the source who is speaking to Brian Lewis. How did we get into this situation about trade when he opted in, he being Kyrie Irving? Here is the situation. He opted in, which means he had, and he has, every intention of playing with the Brooklyn Nets. Katie decides he wants out, and now everybody's talking about trading Kyrie, right? The tone of this report, the tone of the source, and it's consistent throughout, is not that Kyrie Irving wants to be a Brooklyn Net desperately. Kyrie Irving wants to bring this team to greatness. It's that Kyrie Irving is annoyed that Kevin Durant requested a trade and Kyrie's the one catching all the slander, which is what's playing, isn't it, Donnie? KD was requesting out, and everybody keeps talking about how Kyrie ruined the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie opted in. We Our expectation after that news is that they were going to run it back until KD pressed the eject button here. The read on this to me is that Kyrie's like, listen, guys, I didn't do anything wrong. Little PR cleanup here. I, I take away from this from Kyrie Irving. Not that he desperately wants to be a Brooklyn Net without Kevin Durant. And also, like communication is key in all walks of life here. The most dysfunctional franchise in the NBA, you know, forget about some of these teams that seem like they've run their teams into the ground, but at least you have communication of they're just bad picks or bad free agent signings that they have. But when you look at the Brooklyn Nets here from a communication standpoint, it doesn't put it past. Like you say, okay, Sean Marks, what's going on? To be honest with you, I don't know. Like 
The only updates I get are from the media when one of my star players says they want in, they want out, where they want to go, what their trade offers are. The joke for me is always like, hey, KD will get back to you and be like, oh, Kevin Durant has been traded to the Portland Trailblazers. Well, that's news to the Nets organization where KD worked behind the scenes for his own deal and compensation coming back for the Nets. That's like the joke at this point. So we're not talking about a healthy franchise saying, let's work with all parties and make the best decisions. It's almost as if like now you say at the end of the season where Kyrie was basically, hey, I would like to go back to the Nets. And it's like, yeah, we don't know if we want you because you're not all in. Kyrie goes back to the Nets and the Nets still don't understand what's going on because of the communication. Now, having said that, we're waiting on one of the dominoes to fall, right? Either KD's going to leave or Kyrie's going to leave. And at least that NBA domino effect or that chain will get back in motion and will settle in to the free agency process. But let's take a look here about the Warriors. Reports coming out for them, Kevin, that they're hesitant to maybe give up a younger package for Kevin Durant. And I preface this by saying, the Warriors aren't, hey, we just drafted these guys and won a championship. They're 22, 23, 24-year-olds, talking about like, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, or Draymond Green. They're getting up on the back end of their career now where you're looking to stack titles. What is your analysis here on the Golden State Warriors and what they should do with KD if they want to pursue him? Here is the thing with this whole situation. It continues to reiterate that KD showing up in Golden State was bad for all parties involved. Donnie, if they bring Kevin Durant in on the heels of winning a championship and they send out Moody, Kaminga, Wiseman, who didn't play a lick, and Jordan Poole and replace that with Kevin Durant, they are plus 120 to win an NBA championship. Yeah. I mean, they might be a minus price to win an NBA championship. And they're hesitant because, Donnie, really, it wouldn't matter. And they learned that from the two titles they won with KD. They didn't matter as much as what they did this year against the Boston Celtics. It didn't matter as much as the first title they won without Kevin Durant. Donnie, they bring KD in and win the championship. Whose legacy's boosted? We go right back to Steph Curry can't do it enough without Kevin Durant. KD can't do it without Golden State. It doesn't mean anything. So sure, you'd win the title next year and maybe the year after that. But it doesn't really matter. And it's not worth it. Golden State gains more from trying to do it with the group that they currently have. And they know it. And yes, there is the long-term viability, Donnie, because that is a young core, Pool Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman, that they're hoping can keep them afloat when Steph and Durant, wherever he is, ultimately does hang it up. So no, I don't think Golden State can do this because the thing about winning a championship is it's supposed to be joyful. It is an accomplishment. It's getting over the hump. You bring Kevin Durant in, and it's going to be a bunch of misery. Nobody will be happy, players, fans included. And that's just on the Golden State side of things, much less us, the outside observer, who'll be like, oh, great, we already know the end result of this NBA season. Yeah, let's keep another point here on Kevin Durant also. We talked about Adam Silver and the overall, you know, strength of the game moving forward, how much money they've made in the past couple of years here, even just outside of the pandemic. But Adam Silver has a little bit of a worry issue here with Kevin Durant saying, all right, I hope this isn't, you know, because players force their way out. Typically, late in contracts, or I'm not resigning, so you better trade me midseason to where I want to go. Kevin Durant's got a long-term extension signed up here. But Adam Silver doesn't seem to be happy, Kevin, that he's asking out of his deal already and the precedent that that might set down the line which so there's a give and take here I understand being like listen I don't think it's a good thing 
if basically at any point during your contract, you can just press eject and leave. That is not what we're looking for here in our game. Because at some point, it can start to trickle downs. What if we, we'd worried about, you think Zion's going to get out of there before his rookie deal is over? In New Orleans, right? You don't want that crazy exit strategy to go too far. With that being said, though, and I think Adam Silver's aware of this, this stuff is great for his game. It is great for his league because, Donnie, who has been the main topic of conversation since the NBA season has ended? And I don't mean who at the specific, the league, not the NFL, the college football, certainly not baseball, not Wimbledon, not golf, not badminton, not soccer. It's been the NBA. That's the finals ended, and I'm not sure they've ever been hotter in terms of where the focus is across the sports landscape. And it's because one of the seven best players in the sport requested out and sent a firestorm throughout the league that is still ongoing. The chaos in player movement has always been a benefit by their side, but he is right. You don't want things to get out of control. I always like to say, make me commissioner, Kevin, in all these sports, and I'll figure everything out. Well, the one thing it seems like the NBA did figure out that we don't like as fans is, ooh, fast break coming up, big dunk. Nah, look at that foul in the backcourt here, side out here, mm-hmm. put it in. The intentional foul in basketball is maddening because it's supposed to be an intentional foul that causes a technical foul and possession. Well, the NBA, Kevin, finally figured out here that we're going to put a stop to this madness and actually penalize you for doing that, giving the opposing team a foul, your team a free throw shot, and the basketball back. Thank goodness the NBA has saw this and made the correction here. So much better. So much better better you're eliminating highlights it comes off lazy every commentator then has to start complaining when it happens which lessens the enjoyment while you're watching the product as is guys like constantly too like van gundy wouldn't stop talking about you're randomly allowing yourself to get in foul trouble as a star and he really wasn't all that wrong when he was bringing it up what i'm fascinated by though and i'm not saying this is going to be a legitimate edge here But the first three games of the season, how much guys can't figure out what to do in terms of transition defense. Because I I think they're going to be caught in between a take foul and playing zero defense because of how much they forgot they're allowed to just try to stop the basketball in transition. So I think that initial kind of first buzz there will be fascinating to watch. And also, money rules the roost in the NBA. Now, initially, when we had the play-in tournament, people were like, man, how's this going to work, Kevin? This is Superstars are going to be happy, and LeBron James at the forefront going, look, I don't think this is all that well. I don't think it's going to last that much longer. Typically, when the stars speak out against something, you get those changes. But the NBA saw the dollar signs and how exciting it is, and more teams involved at the end of the year. Looks like the play-in tournament here is going to be a thing that is going to move forward into the future in the NBA. And I th- I think it's great, right? I think the play-in tournament initially, we weren't sure if it was the right move, but I think it's been a, a proven point here that this thing works. First of all, the first go-around, it provided you the Lakers and the Warriors in a standalone you know, play-in yeah. game. LeBron hits the big three over Steph Curry, 35-footer. That's a play-in moment you remember. It, it gave you a safety net last year on the Brooklyn Nets just in case. 
It allowed Trey Young and the Hawks to grab a spot. He had a great moment for the New Orleans Pelicans and Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum and things of that nature. And here's the other thing it really has done is it keeps teams way more interested in competing. It's part of the reason I do think, and I know we can laugh about this a little bit, but a Lillard's willing to go back to Portland and a Beal's willing to go back to Washington is those guys say to themselves, all right, at the minimum, I'm going to get to the play-in. I'm going to play some real basketball here. And it's proven to be a big positive for the NBA. Yeah, and you want to make $60 million a year like Dame Lillard, you need these things to add extra games. And also, I'm going to one-up this because I need your opinion on this. The play-in tournament at the end of the year. We've also heard the NBA go, hey, guys, how about a tournament in the middle of the NBA season, which, again, is more games. I don't know how much it plays out, but your thoughts on, look, the NBA likes the revenue streams. Could they add a middle-of-the-season tournament here? I don't understand it at all. I don't understand why I'm going to supposed to care about this. It really makes no sense. We have what a lot of people feel like is a problem in the NBA of resting. So how heavy of fines is the NBA going to try to leverage against the Clippers when Kawhi and Paul George sit the whole thing out? Ridiculous in its own right. So if this play-in tournament doesn't feature the best stars, it's a joke right off of the bat. And if it does, well, now are you going to harm the regular season product here? Are you going to chop regular season games off? Just, I don't get it at all. And like, oh, it's going to be a big cash prize. As if I care about an extra million dollars in the back pocket of Drew Holiday. I mean, truthfully. So this to me, Donnie, I don't understand it at all. I feel like it's very likely I'll be a fan of this. Yeah, and also another one here, the maintenance game came up here with Adam Silver, and he's actually saying, you know what? We have to pay these players even more on top of their base salary in order to get them to play more games during the regular season and not sit it out. Cash cow the NBA is at this point, and here we go. Listen up segments coming up next. What did you think? I wasn't going to talk about Trout and Otani. Come on back and hear it out. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, last segment of the day here for the early line. A quick moving show right here on the grid, Sirius XM Channel 159. Both myself, Donnie Wrightside, and Kevin Walsh. Carrying it through from 7 to 9 a.m. Before we hand it over to the morning after and Ben Stevens, we also want to give a shout-out there to Cam Stewart for rising early and getting us some winners there in the British Open. Now, a lot of stuff's going on. The NBA, we're waiting for Kevin Durant. We're watching Major League Baseball right up into the All-Star game. 
where the stars will shine. And those two stars, Mike Trout and also Shohei Otani in Los Angeles for the All-Star Game. But is it a beginning of the end in Los Angeles? Listen up. The future of Trout and Otani in Los Angeles. How is this going to continue here for us? Two of the biggest and brightest superstars in the game in one of the biggest markets in the United States. And it doesn't seem like we can figure out actually how to use these guys in Los Angeles. And I don't mean using them to be out on the field and winning baseball games in that matter, but building a team around them. I mean, come on. How do you have two guys in the top four or five in MVP in the MVP race in the American? League, and you can't come up even with a 500 baseball team. This team looked poised to actually have a decent season after the first six to eight weeks here, and has completely fallen on hard times. And even after their last game, you see their GM, Manesian, says there's definitely a formula to win around them, and it's building a deeper team. What have you been waiting for here? And also keep in mind, there is no salary cap in Major League Baseball. Mike Trout's got a $300 million-plus deal. Shohei Otani right now is making about $5 million a year. Now, there are some websites that try to compute what Shohei Otani's worth is on the open market, considering he's an elite pitcher and hitter. And they've marked it at around $80 million a year. Now, granted, he's probably not going to get $80 million, but he is a global superstar doing it on the mound and also in the box. And you can't put players around these guys that are actually be good supporting cast so you can win baseball games here. Maybe it's time for you to move on from Shohei and also Mike Trout in L.A. Say it ain't so. Stay tuned here. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.